Thank you for joining us on the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations about the issues that matter most to you. This season is all about moms, and I am personally thankful to honor my mom, Shari, as she has these conversations with moms each week in different stages of motherhood. Today's guest is Tammy Woodbury. Shari and Tammy have a great conversation for us, so let's get started. Good morning, friends. I'm so thankful that you guys asked me to do a season on motherhood for two reasons. First, the moms I've had on the show have been so much fun to talk to, and second, they've given us some great advice, I think. We have covered being a mom of teens, being a working mom, a mom of adults and grandkids, and also being a single mom. Today, you're going to get to hear from my friend Tammy Woodbury, and she's going to give us a good perspective and advice on blended families. Tammy and I met when I moved to Anderson, South Carolina, and she describes herself as a rad wife, which I think is super cute, and a business partner to her husband, Scott Woodbury. She is a three on the Enneagram scale and a DI on the DISC profile, which she says basically means she's always chasing some exciting new idea. She's passionate about helping others achieve their dreams, whether it's in their day job as a realtor or by providing people with the resources they need to step up and step out on bigger life goals. She thrives on, get this, Jesus, yoga, and cooking with her tribe of authentic friends and family. So that's a little bit about Tammy's personality. I want to tell you a little bit more about Tammy before we get into our conversation. But first, let me let her introduce herself to you. Tammy, thank you so much for being here today. And um, I just wanted you to start us off by introducing your family first and telling us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so names first. I'm Tammy, of course. I'm married to Scott, and then our oldest is Brianna, and then Tristan. It's a boy. I think people know that because of Legends of the Fall, but Guy, (laughs) you know, and Brad Pitt, and then Bradley and Sage. She's our dog, the favorite child. Everybody knows it. It's out in the open. Your Um, dog is your favorite child? Yes, because she doesn't talk back. (laughs) (laughs) And also, she's really light on the budget, so, you know, she's worked her way to that status. Until they get old, I'm thinking. Someone's told me dogs are expensive once they get older. Oh, listen, she was my free pound puppy I talked Scott into. Mm. She is on a special joint medicine, allergy medicine. She takes medicated baths, and we only get her premium treats. So, yeah, she's definitely tapping the budget now as she's in her seventh year of life. When I asked Tammy to be part of this season on motherhood, she knew I was going to ask her to talk about blended families. And she's thankful to speak on the subject, but she's also passionate about not seeing her family as, quote, blended or a plan B family, but rather her plan A family. Tammy's going to explain this a little bit more in this podcast. But before we get into the conversation with her, I'd like to give you a brief family background. About a year ago, Tammy and I had a super long lunch where she told me her story. She met her husband, Scott, years ago when they were both working at a real estate company. Scott and his two children, Tristan and Brianna, had experienced trauma in his previous marriage 
because his wife committed suicide when they were really young. Tammy and her son, Bradley, had also experienced trauma in a previous marriage when the police showed up at their doorstep to arrest her husband for criminal solicitation of a minor. If Tammy were doing this introduction, she would say that she and Scott's relationship didn't bud when they were both stable and healthy, but they worked hard to create the family she has today. I drove home from this lunch super impressed with Tammy, and I wanted to share her story with you guys today. So let's begin by letting Tammy fill in some of the gaps I left out. All right, piece of my story. It's a whole other story, but I have to insert it here. So I was married before. Without a lot of details and timeline, one day the police show up on my doorstep with a warrant for his arrest for criminal solicitation of a minor. I don't know if you've seen Chris Hansen, like How to Catch a Predator, but that part was like Hollywood. It literally happened just like that with sled agents. We had a son at the time who was like two years old-ish, almost three. I told you what, he goes to jail. And obviously super traumatic. All this is very traumatic. We get divorced. And really, talking about Bradley at this time, when I say he was the world's best baby, I mean, he slept on cue. He would Mm -hmm. sleep for hours on end. He never, ever cried. He ate all this food. You could take him to any environment. He would excel. You could keep him on schedule, take him off schedule. He was just perfect all the time. So dad goes to jail, and really his counselors don't know, has he been abused in some way, Mm. or is this trauma just because dad just was uprooted from his life totally? So we went from the easiest life on the planet to the hardest life on the planet. He would go through these terrible terrible spells. Like, literally, I thought people were going to knock on my door with, like, DSS because Mm. he would be punching the wall at two years old, screaming, crying, just craziness. I would wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning just to get ready because I'd have to start a routine with him at 5 a.m. because it would just be war for two hours. And so one day I remember a counselor telling me, Tammy, you are the only stable thing in his life. So the whole reason he's rejecting is this is at his age, the only emotion he can process. So he is going to reject, he's going to be angry, and you have to let him do it because this is the only thing that he can share right now because he's too little to articulate. And how many years before you met Scott is this happening? Well, this is about six months into all this. Yeah. Well, I knew him then, but as far as him being like engaged with Bradley. Mm -hmm. So keep that piece of the story. Uh Bradley's just kind of melting down now. And Bradley is your son that you had with your previous husband. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Great. You're saying it after all like selling sunset and you're still tracking. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. A plus. So Scott also, his story is he was married before his first wife committed suicide. Mm. They had two children together, Brianna and Tristan. Um, And Tristan was very young. I think he had just, I'm going to get this wrong, a botch of detail. I want to say he just was about to turn two when she committed suicide. Brianna was just four years old. So they don't really have a recollection of their mom, mm. um, but of course have had family share stories. So he's pretty much been a single dad. He's had like one serious dating relationship, but pretty much just been single, batching it out this whole time. Now, Scott is now selling real estate, but previously, and I did not know this at the time, he was a licensed social worker. And so one particular day, there was this meltdown with Bradley. I was so horrified, which as a parent, we should not be horrified by our children's, you know, actions, but a lot of us are flesh, we are. And so we're actually at the office for for some unknown reason. He just starts melting down. I can't get out the office fast enough with him, but there's like 50 offices I have to pass. I'm so embarrassed. So we Mm. leave that day. Saturday, I come back. I'm in my office. I'm actually talking to a friend on speakerphone. I think I'm the only person there. And I'm sharing just like, I don't know what to do. And I'm talking to his counselors. And I just want him to be happy again and thrive. And this is just so difficult. So a few seconds later, there's a knock on my door. I'm terrified. Like, who has just who heard all of this? <laughs> and I open the door, and it's Scott. And, he, mm. and of course, he, like if you know him, he's very introspective. He doesn't put himself out there. He doesn't get in other people's business. And he's like, hey, I'm really sorry, but couldn't help it over here. 
Also, by the way, have you thought about putting him in organized sports and all this stuff? And I don't really know his story. And this is not even normally how I interact with people. But for whatever reason, I'm like, hey, I don't know if you know, like, all the details of my story, which you probably did because it was in the newspaper. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but I was like, um, there's, like, some complicating factors here. And so I don't know if sports are it. But thanks so much, which I'm not usually that curt or rude. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, so here's the deal. I used to be a licensed social worker. And I actually worked with sex offenders and children who were abused by their sex offenders and even their parents. So I'm like, okay, please come in, take a seat. (laughs) You might know something about this. Uh So this is really kind of what started our relationship through our kids. Now, let me pause because we're about to talk about blended families. I don't believe in life there is like a perfect way to do anything, but let's just say from a psychology standpoint, you know, we should be secure in our own identities and we should like date for an extended period of time and we should like be in our marriages and then have kids and like practice all these things on this like kind of controlled timeline. Honestly, I had come out of a bad marriage where it's like, surprise, he's a pedophile. Okay, that's already like huge spoiler alert. I had had issues from my childhood that I had not fully processed yet. He had children who'd been in a very traumatic, you know, their their mom, the way that she died was very traumatic for them, traumatic for him. I, you know, I'm still kind of in a recovery mode. So we should have never met each other at that phase in life. But mm-hmm. I want to tell this part of the story to say, if you got started in a blended marriage in a way that probably is not the healthiest, it is recoverable. And there are things that you can mm-hmm. do. So it's not like, oh, this is hard and we shouldn't have started this way and it's done. It is manageable. It is recoverable and it can be blessed and good and all those great things. So mm-hmm. from here. We basically get together, but our lives are focused on our kids. Like his kids play sports. Bradley's playing sports. We're doing all that we can to keep them happy. And we end up, I'm not even a long time into this, like within a year, we get married. Um, Insert chaos at this point. But at this time, Brianna has just turned 13. Bradley has just turned, sorry, Tristan has just turned 10. And Bradley, wait, how many years apart are they? Wow, and I gave birth to this one. I don't remember. He was in (laughs) elementary school. But I feel like five-ish is what he was at that time. And that's the ages that they were when y'all started talking seriously or just kind of getting married okay when you got married I like way fast forward because that story was really long so now we're like married and these are their ages so you guys um so you had this situation with your husband Mm -hmm. he was arrested your son was almost three he was almost three and he was struggling and you're trying to get him back on track Mm -hmm. um Scott has two kids Mm -hmm. their mom died of suicide Mm -hmm. he's dealing with all of that and you guys end up having a conversation in the office mm-hmm. because of all of this. Yes. And so that's kind of how you meet. And then fast forward how many years? Not years, like oh, a year. A like, year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then you guys get married. Mm-hmm. So, and you um, paused us all just to kind of say, look, things didn't start. Mm-hmm. We had trauma when we met and a lot of people would say possibly this won't ever work out. Mm-hmm. But what you're trying to say is that it did work out for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but how did that happen? Mm-hmm. You know, what did it take for you guys to get, you know, to a healthy place, mm-hmm. I think. That's so what I'm wondering. I think I have to give so much credit to Scott and who is my husband, of course. Um, his background was literally a rescuer from the Mm. Lord. You know, I think if he had not had that foresight, I don't know that he would have been able to speak things into me where we would have made it, Mm. Um, which is interesting because I think we are both gifted in different ways. Like, um, I would say like my relationship with the Lord, I don't don't ever want to say someone's relationship is closer. He Mm -hmm. would say that. Um, And so that was, you know, the Lord was a real, you know, grounding unit for me, force and direction and all those things it needs to be. And then Scott was very much just full of like wisdom from a like psychological standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, Hence being a social worker for so yes. long. He probably had experienced a lot of 
other people's trauma and tried to help them through that. Yes, exactly. And so for me, and I think like I want to share this piece only because I think when we we live in a culture of standards, like you have the gold standard, you have first place, you you know, all these different things. And mm-hmm. so we know what things should look like. So when they don't, we're like, oh, this is the plan B blended marriage. And it was supposed to be hard. And it was supposed to be not as good. So then when things start to go off kilter and they're not great, we just kind of sometimes can settle into it's just it was never going to be good. It started mm-hmm. out the wrong way. And we don't fight as hard. Um, and I say we because I feel like like that's just kind of the culture for blended marriages. And I feel like just in our culture in general, we just think, okay, well, if this isn't starting the right way, then it's going to fail. And so Mm -hmm. we just kind of accept that. Um, But in that time period, as we were really learning our marriage, one thing that Scott taught me early on, and I don't think he was even intending to teach me this, um, but if if things are going south with the kids, and I say with the kids because that's always the hardest thing with the blended marriage. You all of a sudden bring two families in. It's not the, you know, did he like to go out to eat more than me or did he like not put the toilet paper on the right way? You're not having those kind of disagreements where you made your first year in marriage without kids. It's, you know, what boundaries does he have for his kids? What disciplines does he have for his kids? What do I have for mine? And two things we learned early on, not even early enough, but early on, you have to spend the first part of a blended marriage proving to your spouse that they can trust you with their kids. Mm. You know, are you disciplining and speaking about them from a place of frustration because they're human or out of love and grace because you see them as their child and you want what's best for them? And I think when we're honest in blended marriages, that's a hard place to come to, even for me. Like, I don't like to admit that out loud, but early on, all of my old baggage and the way my parents raised me, that was my lens, which it was never healthy or functional. I, you know, I can say today I have an amazing relationship with my parents and the Lord has restored that, but I had a very abusive childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember my dad would say things like if he harshly disciplined me and then found out I didn't deserve it, he would be like, well, I probably missed something at some point and you probably deserve that. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is catching up for that. And so unfortunately, even though I didn't want to be like him, we all know like some part of our past will find its way into our future. Mm -hmm. And so I had to show to Scott over and over again, um, even through his patience, he was very patient with me that he could trust me because he was always wondering, like, why do you want to do that? Why would you say these things? I'm not even saying they're wrong, but like, what is fueling those emotions? Why are you choosing this consequence? Why are you choosing those words? And then the same for me, you know, I felt like even though he had whatever background with, as a social worker, or even with sex offenders, like Bradley was mine. You know, mm. I loved him a certain way. And I thought, are you going to love him well enough through every, everything he's been through, everything he's just experienced? Like, you know, Scott might say he doesn't need to act out in that way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like think about the last like two years of his life, like give him a little bit. So for me and him to grow really strong in our relationship and understand and get to a point where we both could be trusted with each other's children, I think that was the first step. Um, and then beyond that, really understanding, and this is what Scott taught me, and it's taken my entire life into this day, daily reminders of this, people, kids, anyone, they never ever are rejecting or angry or acting out just because. Mm-hmm. This is because they have been broken and they're asking you, they're begging you to earn their trust. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't happen overnight. So for us, really where we started to get stronger and get more in sync, not that our family got good or got healthy overnight, but when we understood those two things, we were able to prove ourselves to each other and then understand our kids, this is never about me. And I think that's the big thing 
with our kids when it's our family from the beginning, we're like, oh, you know, they just had a bad day, but oh, they love me. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in a blended family, they don't love you yet. They don't know you yet. They don't trust you yet. So it's very easy to take those things personally. But I think that's the mission is you have to stay on mission forever trying to prove to them that you are worthy of their love, that you are worthy of their trust. Mm. And you have to go a longer road because somebody has already broken their trust once. Somebody has already shaken their foundation once, sometimes twice or three times. So the path to trust is a lot longer and more challenging. Yeah, I would agree with you. I've been in a lot of marriages, Um, (laughs) not me personally. Personally, I thought there was just one. um, But definitely I can see that as a, as the child, um, the need to trust someone before they discipline you or just to understand why they're disciplining you and that need to feel like as a child that they have your best interest at heart too. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's hard. I think, um, blended families for me, my experience hasn't been great with them, but it has been, does he love me as much as his kids? Why don't I get disciplined the same way that they do? They're just, they're the, all of those challenges. Um, and I hear your heart is, I wanted to love his kids as much as mine. And he wanted to love my kids as much as his. Yes. And, <laughs> and so, but it's something you definitely have to work at. And, and that's just the reality of uh, the human heart and having mm-hmm. a child and knowing that child from birth, I think is just, mm-hmm. you had previous experience with your child and he had a previous experience with his and you guys had already come into habits and understandings with your kids that now you're having to reestablish, mm-hmm. um, with the other person's children. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a big hurdle, you yeah. know? Um, so we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. What are some stereotypes you believe that people have about blended families and just some different things like that. So thanks for being here, Tammy. Uh, We'll be right back. Hey listeners, we just wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about one of the most exciting parts of our ministry's calendar year, Crossroads Summer Camp. We get it. Making a camp decision is difficult. There's lots of things to consider like travel, price, and even just deciding if a camp is a good fit for your group. So what if we told you that we work extra hard to make our camp in Anderson, South Carolina, the easiest experience from start to finish? We not only pour into your students through dynamic teaching, powerful worship, and amazing community, we pour into the leaders as well. If you're looking for a camp that won't break the bank, that has a ton of fun, that will give your students a transformative experience and not make you want to retire early, Crossroads Summer Camp could be for you. Clayton and Shari teach the gospel in a clear way on your students' level. We feel sure that you're going to love it. Check out the dates and learn more at crossroadsummercamp.com. It'll be the best week of your summer. Okay, back to the show. All right, Overcoming Monday listeners, I hope that this has been a good episode for you so far. We're talking about blended families with Tammy Woodbury, and I just wanted to mention when I first asked her to be on this podcast, um, when I called her and told her we were talking about motherhood and families and things like that, she automatically knew that I was going to ask her about, quote, the blended family, which is technical, technically the term for mm-hmm. your family, mm-hmm. um, but I think... You don't really love that term. Um, 
per se, you know, because you don't feel like y'all's family now feels like, quote, a blended family. Mm -hmm. So I think I just kind of want to talk about what are some of the stereotypes that we, that you've seen we as a culture have Mm -hmm. about blended families and how do you feel like your family isn't maybe in that stereotypical Mm -hmm. like category? Yeah. Um, So it's crazy. We have to label things, I feel like, sometimes because we want to, like, put them in a group Mm -hmm. and discuss them. And then once we put them in a group, then we put all these other labels on them. And so, like I mentioned earlier, like, you hear blended family and you're like, oh, that's a plan B family. Like, the first families didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And so, like, God willing, they'll make it. And so already there's just this stigma associated with it. Or we hear, like, the evil stepmom. And I Mm -hmm. also wonder, why is there never an evil stepdad? (laughs) Well, always the evil stepmom. Yeah. And I think think maybe that's Disney. Oh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So maybe with like everything change, in our culture changing, they'll be like the evil stepdad of Disney. <laughs> That'll be Pixar, I feel like. <laughs> that won't be Disney. <laughs> but it's so true. And like, I think like we come into these roles and then instantly it's hard. And so we're like, oh, it is like that. You know, I am the evil stepmom. And like all the things we've seen, like they start to to come to fruition. And I remember listening to this TED talk a few years ago. Ironically, I am terrible with math. Mm-hmm. Um, I use spreadsheets for everything. I don't trust any numbers. Yeah. And I remember... This guy doing a talk and he's like, hey, like we only use, and I'm going to misquote, like 8% of our brains. And um, so we can easily go into categories where some things are easier, some things are harder. And we put the harder things in a category. We say, I'm not good at it. But the reality is there's so much more of our development in our brain that's available to us. And if we actually sat down and worked with it, we could become excellent at that. And so he shows all these stories of these actual tasks he does. Well, then he talks about specific personality traits um, and the boxes that we put ourselves in and how we start to assume these labels and then all the failures and or successes we've ever seen with that label are attached to yes ah. and we take them on as our identity and I know even for myself it was this thing of like will these kids love me or am I going to be a evil stepmom it was like it had to be one or the other and I'm like mm-hmm. whoever said it had to be like that and for me I will say this and ironically maybe statistically I, I know that there's a stat out there that obviously if you've come from a, a broken family and a blended family you're maybe going to have one I know that's a real stat. And technically we are that stat. Mm-hmm. But I remember the one thing like the Lord would like made so clear to me and in one hand that could have been like failure, like, look, it's repeating itself. But on the other hand, what I thought, I remember it was the day before we were getting married and I was just processing this. And honestly, in my mind, being so excited about the potential of our future, but also at the same time being like, we're a statistic. And mm-hmm. I hate that. And like, I don't want to be though the next statistic, which is like also blended families are likely to fall apart and not make it. I didn't want to be that one. And as I was thinking through this and praying, I felt like the Lord was so clear to me to say, Tammy, like, you spent this trauma, like this just childhood being very traumatized. And um, similar to what you shared earlier, you know, feeling like my mom didn't love me the same way. Like I remember one day, this is such a small scale thing, but my sister, whom I'm close to, she's my half sister. She actually didn't know until she was 13. She was my half sister and she was Mm -hmm. brokenhearted. I'm like, it doesn't change, but she didn't know. And I remember my mom had this like really expensive perfume. My stepmom, I call her my mom in her room. And she was like, don't ever touch these. Like, you can't even clean these. These are my very expensive perfumes. Don't touch them. And I wasn't like five. I was like 15. (laughs) You know, like things were not going to get damaged. And so one day my sister, she's so cute, fuzzy headed, like big cheeks. She's at the top of the stairs. She's not very old at the time. And my mom is like putting her fancy perfume on her. And she's like, she's so cute. She liked these. She wanted to put them on. And she's just sharing this moment with me, which is very sweet. But all I'm thinking in that moment was, how come I'm not allowed to touch those? Like, Mm. I've never been allowed to touch those. And like little things 
things like that always stayed like in my heart, like I didn't forget about them. And so in this moment, as I'm like thinking about being married the next day, I'm like, you know what? Like the Lord has equipped me for this moment. I remember that rejection. I remember like the same things you did, not ever feeling like I was a part of things, wondering if I wrecked her fairy tale marriage. Like mm. was I what put a stain on her and she couldn't have the marriage she always wanted. And so I thought and I remember like my mission is not to be the evil stepmom or to settle in that. My mission is to figure out how do we truly become one. And I think another thing that I want to say now, because I always forget that someone told me this. There was a pastor one time we were talking about divorce and it's like the scarlet letter on your life once mm -hmm. you've been divorced. Like you don't ever forget about it. Like it creeps in your mind all the time. And he was like, Tammy, when you get divorced, he said, yes, the Lord, he hates divorce, but you don't live in a continual state of sin. You mm -hmm. got divorced, period. Mm -hmm. And scripture says he doesn't remember our sins anymore. So mm -hmm. you're holding on to an identity that he doesn't have for you anymore. You're holding on to a label that doesn't exist for him for you anymore. Mm -hmm. So it was in that moment I was like, I am now like cleaving to a new person mm -hmm. and we are going to be unified and we can be blessed by the Lord. And so my mission from here is to take all the trauma and all the sadness from my past and not waste it anymore. Mm -hmm. I remember how I felt and I need to figure out how to make these kids not felt the way that I felt. I need to fight with all that I'm worth for as long as it takes for as far as I have to go to make sure that whenever this job is finished, whenever the Lord says you're done, they don't leave with any of those feelings. Mm -hmm. So sure, blended family on its own is its own title, but I think it's just a family. Mm -hmm. um, and I love also in our church, and I know everyone goes to different churches, but we say there's no ordinary family. Mm -hmm. I love that statement because there's no such thing as like the A family that made it, the blended family that made it, the interracial family that's going to make it, the family that had to adopt babies. We're just not ordinary families. Yeah. When I was um, going to counseling after I'd married Clayton, my counselor and I were having a moment and I just started crying. And I think the one thing that just came out in this very emotional moment was, I wish I could just have a normal family. And he challenged me and he just kind of looked at me and he said, what is normal? And I think I just realized that my, my normal, my definition of that would be a mom and dad together forever with like happy kids and never fighting and all of these things that are just almost impossible to have. And even if you have a quote, normal family, if that's what, that was my definition at the time of what I was thinking I wanted, even if we have that, that doesn't mean it's going to be happy. It could be yeah. two people that are miserable together and it's not working out. And so I think we have to be very careful what we're hoping for and how we define normal or good we have to reanalyze that and just say, what do I have now? And I think when I listened to what you and Scott did when you came together, you said, to the best of our ability, we want to try to parent together. We want to love each other's kids. This is going to be a journey. It's not going to be easy for either one of us, but that desire, I think, got honored. Mm -hmm. and, and now I feel like that's why you don't feel like, quote, the blended family, because you guys didn't, didn't settle for something that was plan B in your own words is what you said. So, um, so I wanted to ask you what have been some of the most intimidating or challenging aspect aspects of motherhood specifically. Mm -hmm. So I know we've talked a lot about maybe parenting in general and your families coming together and maybe this is part of it, but mm -hmm. what are some of the uh, biggest challenges in motherhood overall mm -hmm. that you've experienced? 
So this is interesting. So I, I have a couple of stories that just kind of represent this mm-hmm. whole, like, being a mom and then being a mom of our Plan B family. Kidding. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that. I'll never do it again. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's funny. No, I think it was good. For, I think it's good for you to express yeah. how you felt, what you felt like you were quote, getting at yes. the time and, and how it's not that. It's not a plan B family. Mm-hmm. It, it is your family. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so when we, you know, I have these visions. It's funny you said this because I think when we think about also this marriage, we also think like veggies at dinner. We need to eat around a table. We're going to say prayers. Everybody takes a bath at a certain time. Mm-hmm. The kids are so happy when they take baths, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> we'll read a story together. Like we envision all these things. We like go to sporting events on the weekends, but not too much. We can get to church on Sunday. You know, like this is like like picturesque how it should look. And so when Scott and I get married, and it would have been like this no matter who I married, like just FYI, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I'm a high DI, like on the disc assessment. Honestly, I could go on for days. I do personality stuff all the time. It's mm-hmm. a little obsessive because I'm a three. <laughs> and so like I have missions, plans, TED Talks I listen to, and all these things laid out all the time. So we get married, and I'm like, all right these kids are eating Chick-fil-A like five days a week. Got to shut this down. They need vegetables. You know, Mm -hmm. hey, these kids are like staying out late because of sports. Like I need to get home early and have them do their homework early. And then we go to all of our practices. And so I'm trying to bring in all these things that I thought were good because somewhere in society said these things are good. Maybe they are good, all of them. But I think what I realized at some point is, everybody has a different good in a different season. That's all over scripture. Mm -hmm. No one has the exact same story. Also, thank goodness, it would be super boring to read. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a different version, has a different story, and for a different season, a different time. I'm just glad I didn't have babies when I was like 80 (laughs) because my body could have survived. Right, yes. (laughs) So thankful that our story is what it is. But in saying that, I came in at first and I wanted to like cook my casseroles and my veggies and get them to bed and do all these things. And I was literally rocking all of their foundations, even if their lives were bad. And they weren't. If Scott, just in his bachelor lifestyle, was making terrible decisions and they ate Kung Pao chicken every night, and they weren't, like three nights a week, not not seven. But even if all these things were happening, that's what they knew as their norm, and that was safe for them. So Mm. all of a sudden coming in, which I tried at first to do all these things, I realized there was total opposition. And it wasn't hard for me to realize because Tristan would literally at nine years old was like banging, 10, banging his head on the table like, I don't want to eat this, like not even trying to hold back. (laughs) Brianna had figured out how to come home from school early and like pound two corn dogs. So she would be hungry at dinner. So she'd be like, I'm not hungry tonight. And I'm like, is she really going to like fast for dinner? And I'm like worried she's starving You didn't know she was eating no, on the side. No clue. No <laughs> clue. And then following one day, Scott's like, hey, he knew. Like, so he's real smug. He's like, you got to pick your battles. Honestly, I know she's like eating corn dogs every day and that's how she's able to protest. And I was just glad because I'm like, she's not starving herself to death. Yeah. That's fine if it's a corn dog. But I, you know, those were real hard things for me to learn as a mom that like whatever norms or standards I thought, the best thing for the kids is whatever would make them feel stable and safe. And so mm. I had to like pull back, figure out what was safe for them, what was stable for them and learn that. But I have some stories that are kind of funny. So, and they actually lead to like some of the sweetest moments in our journey and where I felt like we're not a blended family. We're not, we're just a family. So, and I have to tell a little, a little bit of trauma and tell you that they're amazing now, but I want to share some, some not pretty stuff because I think sometimes people need to hear that because when you hear someone talk about, oh, we're in a great place and you're like, but it really wasn't as ugly as what we had. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with Tristan because this is one of the earlier stories. I remember it was shortly before we were getting married. And honestly, Scott and I had not really seen each other too much at night. It was just kind of the kids would, you know, have their sporting events. And then I would go to my house. We'd go to his. And for whatever reason, it was like a random night too. It's like a Wednesday or Thursday. So really the kids had school. Now, what I did not know because I had not asked enough questions is Tristan and Scott love sports. And evidently, they would fall asleep on the couch every night like Watching bachelors. sports. Yes, always. 
and apparently like Tristan like never slept in his bed. Now I didn't know this. So one night Brianna's already up in her room. Tristan's there and we like had been watching some movie and Scott turns it off and he's like, all right guys, you're going to bed. Breeding care. She's like teenage girl. She's like, yes, thanks. Bye. And Tristan immediately, there's just opposition. And normally he was like pretty quiet. Didn't, you know, there wasn't too much fight from him. And Scott's like, go upstairs. And like, you can hear like the tension mounting and I'm feeling very awkward in this moment. And he is telling him he's going upstairs. He's going upstairs. At some point, Tristan reluctantly goes upstairs. Scott follows behind him and I can tell, like I can hear like hushed frustration and I'm like not feeling good in this moment. And then also in that moment, I remember thinking, and it wasn't terribly traumatic, but I'm like, am I ready for this? Like, I don't even know what's happening right now, but like I'm stepping into their lives. They're not babies. Mm -hmm. You know, they're developed. They've had experiences. Like, what am I doing right now? And as I'm questioning that, Scott has just come downstairs and he doesn't even really say anything. Like, if it were me, I have like diary of the mouth. I'd be like, oh my gosh, that's so awkward. I'm so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. I yeah. couldn't help myself. Scott doesn't say a word. He just sits down. Yeah. Just like, it's cool. No big deal. Yeah. But I can hear Tristan upstairs starting to cry. Now, he's not sad crying, he's angry crying, which is so much fun for teen boys, right? Mm. He's not even a teenager yet, but he's just crying. And so the next thing I hear is like getting louder and louder and louder. And I am super uncomfortable and I'm wanting to say to this guy, like, I got to go. Like, can you deal with this? Like, this is so weird for me. And all of a sudden, he belts out, I hate Tammy. So also I'm like, what trauma am I causing this child right now? Mm. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go. And later on, of course, we're recapping the conversation. He's like, here's the deal. He typically sleeps on the couch. I'm like, oh my God, what didn't you tell me? Like, this is his norm and his standard with you. And all of a sudden you're like weirdly go to your room after two years but of sleeping Scott's on the couch. trying to create space for you <laughs> and Tristan wasn't used to it. Yes. And maybe jealous and just feeling yes. like, how do I go to sleep in my room by myself? I mean, yes. there's just a lot of things going on. Yes. Even just practically, you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. Like apparently he's like, I don't sleep in this bed. I don't yeah. have covers here. My blankets are downstairs. Like what yeah. am I doing right now? And so hold that story aside. So then with Brianna, she was 13. Now when we first started dating, she was best friends forever with me. I was the girl she always wanted and it was awesome. And I remember one night, and this is just, it's funny, Scott, even being in social work and being with kids, in my brain, I'm like, can't believe you didn't know this, but at 12 years old, she had this big screen TV in her room, she had a laptop, she had a cell phone, and nothing was monitored. Now, I'm not like mom that's like, you know, I know I'm not, I have no opinion. I'm neutral on this, but I'm not saying I'm the mom with like the apps on everything and mm -hmm. watch everything. There's you know, people have to make decisions on both sides of the mm -hmm. fence on that, but completely unmonitored. And so one day um, I see something that needed to be addressed. And so I mentioned to Scott, not thinking he was going to immediately speak to her, just like, by the way, and he's pretty low key. So mm -hmm. he doesn't say anything to me. He's like, we'll talk about this more later. Well, evidently he goes and addresses her and says, and Tammy found blah, oh, blah, blah, blah. I knew that would be damaging. I did not know that it would wreak havoc on the rest of our relationship. In mm. her mind immediately, it was a breach of trust and it shut it down. And I also want to insert here, I'm very careful with what I say next because all these people are still living and could hear this. Um, and I don't want to damage anything and that want to be so kind. But there were people in her life at this time, and this is so true for many blended families, so I say this because it's not a crutch, that felt that if they accepted the marriage that Scott and I had, that then somehow they were traitorous to his previous marriage. Mm -hmm. So they worked in opposition to us and would tell the kids things and create environments where they could go, and just honestly, it was very damaging. Well, and that's, but that's a normal, I think. Yeah. No, here I am using the word normal again. That's a common um reaction I think mm -hmm. by people when you're used to to a couple and then that couple is no longer 
the couple that you're used to and then a new couple is forming i mean even i remember when clayton and i first met and we were dating and we went we got engaged all of his roommates were like oh no don't like her but it was pretty much just because they were about to lose their like gravy train um because clayton was letting all of them live with him and um and they could pay rent every now and then, but if they didn't have, you know, they like yes. had it really good and they're thinking, woo, the end of the line's coming yes. soon, you know? And so I think <laughs> that we can react in, in, you know, common ways toward common situations. And I would say that I, I think this is a common reaction by people mm-hmm. who are not really sure what's happening mm-hmm. or how to process it all mm-hmm. or how to react in it all. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that. I want to like throw out this challenge right here. Like this is the gauntlet because there will be someone like this always. It could be honestly the other spouse. Mm -hmm. You know, in our situation for a period of time, I had a spouse that was previously removed and their mom obviously passed away. So she was no longer in the picture, Mm -hmm. but you may have another spouse. You may have other family members. And the lens I had to take on was this because I never wanted to react to just honestly the negativity that was coming from that because I had to remember um, this person was was a family member of their mom. Mm. And so I had to remember she had her own issue she was dealing with. It really wasn't about me. And one thing I always say to our kids, like we don't react to others based upon their character. We react based upon ours. And I never wanted our kids, no matter how ugly it got or what they said, this person said, or how what attitude they came home mm. with, I didn't ever want them to see me react to that because they needed to feel that I was safe and stable no matter what. Well, and this person might have been afraid that with you coming into the picture, they would lose. Yes influence. And that's a common fear among us as people. Mm -hmm. We're afraid to lose influence all the time. I mean, um, so we we joke about this, but um, my boys are in a a small group. And so if one of the guys kind of starts liking a girl, they're all kind of like, well, are you going to, are you going to like, stop having spending time with us for the girl <laughs> so it's just you know silly things like that that yeah. happen all the time we get scared that when someone yes. meets someone else that we may not be as good of friends or something or it'll threaten the relationship yes. that we have threaten is such a good word and mm-hmm. i think that's it and we have to remember that so we have to like step outside of that and be like we can't respond to this like mm-hmm. they feel threatened and so let's nurture that as much as we can maybe they respond better to us in the future maybe they don't but we have to you know deal with that mm-hmm. so for brianna that was going on in the background the whole time And I remember I just wanted us to have a good relationship. I wanted to go back to what it was in the beginning. And it was like, no matter how hard I tried, it wasn't getting better. Now, side note, and this is kind of funny. um, So at one point in time, we decided, let's let's do like some family counseling. But really, it was like for Brianna, we're like, she needs to talk to someone. And so, you know, in counseling, at some point, parents come in too. Mm -hmm. And so I remember that day, like, I mean, I think I spent more time on scripture that day than I ever had in my life. I'm like, okay, Jesus, like, just build me up. Give me the right spirit for this. I know I'm the bad person. I know I'm doing everything wrong. It's probably my childhood. Was it my dad? Was it my sister? Who was it? Like, what was it? Was it something that happened in college? Like, I'm going through all these things, like, purify my heart. Give me a sweet spirit. Like, all this stuff. So we walk in, and the counselor sharing on behalf of Brianna. And I'm sitting there, and I've already told Scott, like, I want to have the right heart, blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, we're listening, and pretty much she's like... Yeah, she really didn't have any issues with Tammy. Like, she feels good about that relationship, but she's just jealous of Scott's relationship. And I thought he was even going to stay with Tammy. And they're like, no, with with Tristan, with her brother. And honestly, I wish I could be like, oh, that was like this like eye-opening moment. I was like, it's not me. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> like, so even if it felt like it was projected on me, it was not me. Yeah. So Bradley also 
he really, really struggled. We first get married like five years. I mean, just super traumatic. I mean, we would go to restaurants and Scott would remind me, you have to live a normal life and just let him be. And he will come along. Just trust me, he will come along. And I would feel like the world's worst mom because everyone doesn't know our story. And we would go to a restaurant and he would do this new thing for about a year where he would stand off, meaning he would have to stand at the front well after we went to our table. Like people in restaurants knew us and knew Bradley and they liked us well enough, but they would let him sit up front when everybody else went back to the table. And I would keep coming like every few minutes up there. But the more I would come, the more oppositional he became. And we would let him choose the restaurant. It's not that he didn't want to be there. It was just a way for him to oppose things. And the way Scott framed it was he doesn't have control of anything else in his little life. So Mm. he can have control over this moment. Well, eventually he would come back to the table. He wouldn't want to order food. He'd be rude to the server. I'm melting down right now. Like, this is just so awkward. I didn't even want to go out anymore. Um, He would fight with Tristan all the time. He didn't want to connect with Brianna. And I remember him just being ruthless to Scott. And this whole time I'm thinking, even as we're creating a little bit of structure with Brianna and Tristan, I'm like, what am I doing to them? Like, I bring in this child who used to be the sweetest and the easiest. And now it's like five years is a long time not to be finished processing your anger and your confusion. But side story, what was going on at this time is his dad had gotten out of jail. And so he had supervised visitation with him. But the Mm. problem was we would just get past healing from the previous weekend and get back even kilter. And then he would see his dad again. Mm. And the cycle just kept going on and on and on. So years of dealing with this. And I want to want to say like years of stories and encounters like this, like this wasn't the first year of marriage, the third year of marriage. This is like five years of marriage. This is going on. And so one summer we're at the beach and Tristan is sitting beside me. He's like much like his dad. He's very introspective, quiet. And he just starts to ask me, like, he's like, you know, tell me about your childhood. Tell me, tell me about your relationship with Lola and Papa. And how old is Tristan at this point? Tristan's in college at this point. So he's okay. like 20, 19. He's 19 at this point. And um, he's just asking me all these questions. And at some point, like we talked, I felt like it was like hours. And I, you know, even as I would talk, I would tell a story and I'd pause. I'm like, he's done hearing this. And he's like, well, what about blah, blah, blah. And he would just keep asking more and more questions. So we get to the end of it. And like I said, he's always been more withdrawn. He's very introspective. And he said, it's, it's really amazing, like what you've been through. And all I can say is I'm so thankful, like the Lord gave you to me and that you're my mom. Aww. And I see you as my mom. Like, I don't remember my birth mom, but I know like you were given to me to be my mom. And then I don't remember if it was a week later, a month later, but like he started calling me mom after that, which mm. is pretty phenomenal when you think he's an adult at this point. Yeah. This, and he decides that that as an adult. Yes. Like mm. that was his moment. Now, also I want to put in here. That's not a goal for like yeah. a blended family. Like I think sometimes we hear people's stories and we're like, that's my goal. That's when we know we arrived. That's yeah. not a goal. Like my dad made me call my stepmom mom like a week into the marriage and it was super weird. I still see her that way now, but it was really weird for me and awkward mm-hmm. for a long time. Like if it gets there, it gets there. Great. It doesn't matter. Well, then with Brianna, really hers was much later because she was later in life. Um, she's an adult now. She's working as a nurse. She buys a house, gets a car. And I remember her calling me one day and she used to only call me if like she needed access to her dad. Like she mm-hmm. couldn't reach him and would call me. And she's like, hey. I'm like, hey. She's like, so there's this guy that I like. And she's like talking and I'm listening at first. And I kept waiting for like, do I hand your dad the phone for this? Like, where is this going? And so she's telling me all about him. And then she's like, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, he sounds like a good guy. And I start asking her questions. And usually she was very closed off from me. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, we should like go out and talk about this more. And then like, hey, I need your help decorating my house too. And it was like in this moment, I'm thinking of like me decorating her bedroom. She's opening the door at this point. Yes. But she's like 23 at this point. And so I think also understanding like she was 13, we got married. She's 
23 now. Like Mm -hmm. that was a long gap before we got to this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Bradley, a couple of years ago, you know, we've gone through all this stuff and he, they've like truly fought like siblings and it's been very tumultuous and he's getting to a place that feels stable. And I remember one day we're talking and we're really processing things with his dad and like what he remembers and all this other stuff. And he's like, mom, I I don't ever want to be divorced. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this to my kids. I don't, I don't want to put a woman through that. Like, I understand there's a weight to marriage. He said, but I have to say, he's like, I'm not glad about what happened. He said, but I would never have this family if that hadn't happened. And he said, Mm -hmm. I know I was supposed to have this family. Um, So for us, when I talk about motherhood and like, what was a win? What was a loss? What was awkward? You know, I cooked casseroles when I should have picked up Chick-fil-A. You know, know, we enforced bedtimes where we should have just enforced conversation. You know, we we struck out a bunch. But with time, what I learned was they were going to go through different seasons at different times. Mm -hmm. It was going to be a long road and it was going to look different um, for all three of our kids. And unfortunately, there's not a playbook for that. Yeah. Um, It's just about, and so as I'm listening to you and everything that you just said, it sounds like you just have to tune into your kids um, and and yourself really and decide, am I wanting this for me or am I wanting this for them? And and it's not wrong to want some things for you, Mm -hmm. but I think that, um, you know, every parent knows sometimes you have to put your emotions kind of to the side in order to love your kids well and figure out how to deal with your own emotions in your own space, Mm -hmm. but also be honest with your kids when it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think we, I think we can tell them what we're going through. I don't think we expect them to carry our burdens. And so there's a weird, you got to figure that out, you know? Yeah. Well, um, this has been so good. I think this is going to help a lot of, um, families out there that aren't quote, plan A. (laughs) That's what you want to call it. But anyway, I don't want to say it that way, but I think it's going to help a lot of families and not just, I think, families uh, that have been divorced and come back together or um, I think what you're saying, some of these things that you're saying today can help any family. I think Mm -hmm. single parenting, just, hey, your kids are going to go through what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And there may be times of, I don't understand Mm -hmm. um, or I have to hold this a little bit loosely right now until mm-hmm. I see my child come around. Um, I think children and parents have interesting dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can learn from anyone um, about how to be a parent. And so I appreciate you being here with me today, Tammy. And I want to ask you, as we finish today, what is? do you have a final word of advice that you would give a mom mm-hmm. um, in your shoes? Or just a mom in general, but I think since this is quote, the blended family episode, Mm -hmm. I think that I would love if you could speak to that specific Mm -hmm. thing. Anytime you get remarried, that's the plan A marriage. And Mm -hmm. we don't need to think that there's a way out. If Mm -hmm. it's hard, it's just hard. And you have to figure out that this is your ministry and you're called to completion. Mm -hmm. And so the statistic of the the plan B marriages, they can oftentimes end in divorce. Like we can stop that. That can change. But we have to realize just because we gave up once for whatever reason, I don't want to say give up, but we divorced once. It's easier to think, okay, well, we can do it again if it doesn't work out. And this is probably too much trauma. No, if the Lord lets you get into that second marriage, he can bless it too. And he expects you to fulfill what he has called you to. And if it's a higher calling, it's a higher calling, but you got to stick with it. I love like um, that all of your kids opened up in their own time and in their own way. I think that's good. Yeah. Because I think that you're not in here saying, yeah, we pretty much forced all our kids to call 
uh, us mom and dad. And then we had dinner every day at five o'clock. And, you know, sometimes that forced parenting doesn't work. Yeah. I think it backfires. And so I love that however you guys did it, you gave your kids space to love you. Yeah. I think that's what it sounds like. Yeah. I like that. I like the way you worded it. I'll ask them if that's how they would quote it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I won't publish their remarks. They may have like, well, kind of. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) no, I totally agree with that. I think at the end of the day, I think sometimes, uh, so this is a great ending. I think sometimes I think whatever stage we're in, whether we look at our world or we look at our life and we want to say, what is God doing? Mm -hmm. We try to figure out in that moment what God is doing, but I don't think we can know until years later. Right. Yes, exactly. You know, and so Mm -hmm. when I listen to your story, there may have been a lot of like juggling up and down Mm -hmm. and how am I going to do this? But then at the end of the day, you're looking back and saying, I think my kids were just trying to learn how to love me and we were just trying to learn how to love them and trying to learn how to be a family. And isn't every family doing that? Yes, (laughs) I think so. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Overcoming Monday, where I hope that we're providing you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. I hope that this episode on motherhood has been both enlightening and encouraging for you. And if you have any questions or comments, know that you can DM me on Instagram at either at shariking99 or at Overcoming Monday. I'd love to receive your feedback and ideas on future podcasts. And don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform that you love and receive it every week into your inbox and listen automatically. We hope to hear from you next week. Thank you for joining us today on Overcoming Monday. We wanted to take a moment to just thank all of the faithful supporters that have given to Clayton King Ministries. We've seen our friends step up in an amazing way even in the midst of a global pandemic and an overall difficult year, and allows us to keep preaching the gospel and making disciples. We couldn't do half of the things that we do without you. If you feel led to help us continue reaching students, church leaders, and podcast listeners like yourself, go to claytonking.com give to make a tax-deductible donation today. All of us at Clayton King Ministries really appreciate it. Again, this podcast happens because of listeners like you. Share with friends, follow Shari on Instagram and Facebook, and follow Overcoming Monday as well. We hope that this has been a great experience for you. We hope we have given you some little secrets for your big breakthrough.